Hi, I'm Andy Chamberlain, and this is the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical advice and encouragement to help you with your writing. You can find out more at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you can also find out about the Creative Writers Toolbelt handbook, which condenses all of the very best advice and insight from my expert guests and me in one place. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast, and it's helpful to you on your writing journey. And welcome to this special episode of the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast, which is devoted to exploring the renaissance in Chinese science fiction. And I say renaissance because although Chinese science fiction has enjoyed a surge in popularity in the last 20 years or so, as you will hear from one of my guests, this is not the first time that science fiction has emerged in China. This current resurgence of interest in science fiction can be traced back over the past couple of decades. It has a number of roots, including the publication in 2008 of Liu Xixiang's seminal work, The Three-Body Problem, and its subsequent publication in English in 2014. This novel went on to win two of the genre's highest awards, the Nebula Award for Best Novel and the Hugo Award for Best Novel. And 10 years before that, an event occurred which is not directly connected to any publication, but which also had an impact on bringing Chinese science fiction to the fore, and that was the inclusion of a particular question in the National College Entrance Exam in China, and that question had a distinctly science fictional flavour, and it would have been seen by the three million schoolchildren taking the exam that year, and the question was this, what if memories could be transplanted? Speaking to the New Statesman magazine earlier this year, the writer Chen Fan said that a feature on a similar topic appeared in the magazine Science Fiction World in that same year, 1999, and led a lot of Chinese parents to conclude that reading science fiction would help their children to get to a good college, and so the circulation of the magazine increased dramatically. Now, perhaps for some of us, our experience of Chinese science fiction this year has been through the sci-fi film The Wandering Earth, which is based on a year 2000 novella, also by Liu Cixing, and which was funded and produced in China and has taken $700 million at the box office. If you're interested in that film, it's now available on Netflix. So what is happening with Chinese science fiction? What can we learn from this phenomenon? And how can Western writers access the market for science fiction readers in China? To explore this topic, I'm joined by three guests, all based in China, two writers and one editor. Gabrielle Wei is an editor and foreign language specialist. She studied global communications at the Chinese University of Hong Kong and also attended the university in La Rochelle in France as part of an exchange program. She is the book editor for Science Fiction World, the magazine that published that article on transplanted memories back in 1999. And now Science Fiction World's monthly magazine has the biggest circulation for any sci-fi magazine in China. And Gabrielle has responsibility for assessing works for publication from Chinese writers and material from writers in the West. In the course of our conversation, Gabrielle mentions a number of anthologies of Chinese science fiction, including Invisible Planet and Broken Stars, both of which have been translated into English, and also Touchable Unreality. And when we discuss fantasy, she also briefly refers to the Novaland Eagle Flag series. And I personally am hoping that more of these works will appear in English in the future. My two author guests are Pong Simon and Chen Chi Fan, the very same Chen Chi Fan who spoke to New Statesman magazine earlier this year. 
Pong Simon is a rising star in Chinese science fiction. Her short stories have been translated into multiple foreign languages, including The Love Letters, which appeared in the November 2018 edition of Clark's World magazine. Now, I personally love the heartfelt and poignant tone of Simon's work. And as you'll hear from our conversation, she considers exploring the human condition and writing from the heart and personal experience to be very important in her writing. Now, I'd give you fair warning that the phone line for my conversation with Simon was a little bit crackly and a bit fuzzy. And of my three guests, she's arguably the one for whom speaking English is the biggest challenge. But I would encourage you to stick with it and listen to what she has to say, because as with the answers and comments we get from Gabrielle and from Stan, there's a lot of wisdom and insight there. Chen Chi Fan, or to give him his anglicised name, Stanley Chan, is an internationally recognised author columnist and scriptwriter. His short fiction has won three Galaxy Awards for Chinese science fiction and 12 Nebula Awards for science fiction and fantasy in Chinese. His novel, Waste Tide, was translated into English by Ken Liu and is available now in hardback and paperback versions as well as ebook and audiobook. Stan's work explores a popular theme in Chinese science fiction, namely the way in which people in China deal with the rapid technological and social change in the country over the past four decades. And his novel explores this theme in the globally important context of managing the ecology of a local area and our planet. I had a fascinating conversation with my three guests. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Please bear in mind that English is not the first language for any of them, but the effort to connect with what they're saying will be well worth it. Here it is. So, Gabrielle, Simon and Stan, welcome to the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Okay, so I'd like to ask each of you if you could tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you grew up, education, uh, something a little bit about the formative influences on you uh, when you were a child. Perhaps we could start with you, Gabrielle. I grew up in Chengdu in southwestern China. And I studied French at my university as undergraduate student ah, okay. uh, in Xi'an University. And I spent one year in France in La Rochelle, a very beautiful city near mm. Bordeaux. When I went to further study on the postgraduate program at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, and I studied global communication as a postgraduate student. And now I am a foreign language editor, uh, especially in English, uh, at the Science Fiction World Periodical Office and a publishing house. Okay, Gabrielle, thanks. Simon, what about you? Um, I was born in a small town in southwestern China. It was a really tiny town. Uh, because the town is so small, most of people in the town knows each other. After I was 10 years old, to get better education, I moved to a larger city called Yichang. Uh, and then I went to Shanghai to study in university. And then I went to Beijing to study and write. Uh, last year, I left Beijing and uh, mm. lived in Delhi city in southwestern China. I lived there for half a year. Uh, that's really a wandering experience. Yes, yes. Thank you, Simon. What about you then, Stan? Okay, so I'm Stanley Chen in my Chinese name, Chen Fan. So I was born in Shantou, a small city in Guangdong province in China. I went to the university in Beijing, so it's the Peking University. Uh, my major was 
Chinese literature and film art. So it's like double major.、Mm-hmm. But I mostly work for technology companies such as Google and Baidu. Okay, Stan. I'd like to stay with you for a moment. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your writing career so far and the kind of activities you're involved in now. Okay, I was an amateur writer since I was a kid. Like、uh, first publication was at my sixteenth. So I write mostly in my spare time. So if I catch a while in、uh, in between the meetings, I'll write something down in in、yeah. the office. Hmm. But right now,、uh, I'm becoming a full-time writer. So I'm running a small studio called Thema Mundi. It's a Latin name. It means the sky at the very beginning when the world was created.、Mm. So it's a very poetic name.、Mm. So I'm writing、uh, novel fictions and also doing some world buildings for some.、Uh, Uh, companies like film companies or tech companies, and also doing like script developments and animations and VR, all this content、uh, relevant stuffs.、Mm. So I just had my first novel be translated into English and other languages, and the title is Waste Tide, and I'm so excited about it. And so I'm working on the sequel right now. So、okay. hopefully it will coming out. Next year in Chinese, so yeah, basically that's how I get into the writing career. I'll say, yeah. Okay, that's cool. And、um, I am in the middle of reading Waste Tide at the moment, so I think、oh. we're gonna we might refer to that particular work of yours、okay. during the course of our conversation. And I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the the sequel get translated into English at some point,、yeah. probably in a couple of years' time, and so we can get that.、Yeah. Okay, Simong, I want to ask you, how did you start writing? What were the first things that you wrote? And How did you become interested in science fiction? I first wrote stories when I was nine.、Uh, it's a fantastic story about <laughs> a little girl、uh, exploring in a forest.、Uh, I can still remember it. So it sounds as if, like a lot of people, you started writing when you were quite young, when you were just a child. Yes. So how did you become interested in science fiction? When I study in university in Shanghai, I study in a very remote campus near a port.、Uh, since the life is too boring, I often go to an、um, online community called Douban, and met many friends online who write science fiction there.、Uh, so I also start to read and write science fiction, influenced by them. Okay.、Uh, at that time, I wrote my first science fiction, the short story. And then it had been included in the annual election of best science fiction in China. That really encouraged me. But I didn't continue to write it because I started to work after graduation.、Uh, but this story made my first employer appreciate me very much and gave me my first job. Okay, so your story helped you get your first job. Yes. Okay, now Gabrielle, you're working for Science Fiction World. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how you first became interested in science fiction and what it is that you do at Science Fiction World. As a person who was born in Chengdu,、uh, we have a lot of opportunities to get get contact with science fiction,、yes. um, because there is a magazine with a forty year history that is the science fiction world where I am working at now. It was established in nineteen seventy nine. The school recommended us to book 
on some magazines, and I believe science fiction world was on that list. And, okay. and of course, I booked it. Uh, so I read some science fiction uh, stories at that time when I was in university, and my friend recommended the three-body problem for me. Uh, actually, at that time, the three-body problem became popular in China. And mm. when I read it, I thought, oh, it's really great. And I, I continued to read the books by uh, Douglas Adams, Arthur Clarke, Robert Heinlein, or uh, some foreign science fiction writers. Yes. Uh, it made me think what will us human beings will become in the future, what yeah. our world will become in the future, and community will become. And I think it's really dropped me out of the ordinary life. Uh, maybe this is the, I think, the best influence on me. <laughs> yes. So you've read a variety of authors then, haven't you, obviously? And it sounds as if they have sparked your imagination and made you think about, as you say, the future and what humanity will be like in the future. And and it, now yes. you are the head of the book department at Science Fiction World. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about Science Fiction World and also so uh, a little bit about your job there. So what do you do as head of the book department? Of course, as a publishing house, the book department of science fiction world, we published books. All we published is science fiction genre, but actually there were some fantasies, but, but the fantasy, the number of fantasy is really small. Mm. The majority of our publication is science fiction genre. And we, just like the editors do, we read, we choose, and we publish. Um, about 80% of our science fiction novels are imported from foreign countries, especially in English language countries. Yes. Uh, we imported them into China and we translated them and we uh, published them to Chinese readers. Yes. Uh, and 20% of uh, the books are written by Chinese authors. And of course, just like uh, Liu Cixin, Xia Jia, Zhang Ran, that kind of Chinese science fiction writers are mm. all our writers. Um, so actually, this is what we do. We, we publish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you hoping that in the future you will be publishing more material from science fiction writers from within China. Yeah, yeah, of course. I like to see more Chinese science fiction authors' uh, works. And, of course, with the development of Chinese science fiction and the prosperity of Chinese uh, science fiction, I found there is a trend. There are more and more uh, good work from Chinese writers. So I think we should seek the opportunity and publish more uh, Chinese mm. writer science fiction. Mm. Uh, of course, this this kind of literature genre uh, is rooted in Western culture. But actually, I think uh, it is uh, re-allergied in China. Yes, I w- would expect that Chinese writers would bring something completely unique, would bring their own <laughs> ideas, would bring their own understanding, would bring their own concerns perhaps as well uh, yeah, to yeah, the genre. Except- which, uh, in a way that Western writers just just couldn't do, because from China you bring your own unique perspective on all of this work. Okay, so I want to move on and talk about the fact that Chinese science fiction has grown in popularity and in influence and flourished in the last few years. Why do you think this is? Stan, maybe you could start us off with a little bit of context around the waves of influence of science fiction in China. Uh, science fiction as a genre was introduced to China only 100 years ago. It's like an imported genre. 
It's not、mm. like originally rooted in Chinese culture, and I think there was、uh, like three booms in the history of Chinese science fiction. Like the first one is back in late Qing Dynasty. It was brought by Lu Xun and Liang Qichao, those、uh, revolutionaries. But they they failed because it was so so early. Like people are not ready for accepting、yeah. this kind of genre.、Okay. So after the founding of PRC, so、uh, we start to learn a lot of like uh, uh, systems, like、um, politic system and culture system、mm. from Soviet Union. So we also use science fiction as kind of like、uh, propagandering. And help to、uh, popularizing the science knowledge and fact. And after that was like a ten years、uh, cultural revolution. So、mm. everything stopped.、Mm. And after that, there was a, a huge boom.、Uh, it was start from a very fairy tale and utopian、uh, science fiction called Xiao Ling Tong Man You Wei Lai. It's、uh, Xiao Ling Tong means like、uh, I don't know a、uh, little. Elf or something, so、mm -hmm. wondering the future. So it's become a a bestseller, like selling like a couple of millions of copies back then, like、uh, in 1978. Okay. So it was become a big hit. It's uh basically it's imagining a a a a young journalist, a teenage journalist, uh named Xiao Ling Tong. So he traveling into the future. So it's like in the twenty first century in the new China. So everything becomes so automatic, and、mm. like、uh, there's robots and there's like uh, uh, meats grow in the labs and there's some、um, like floating cars, and there's artificial moons. So all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it's basically very like optimistic、uh, attitude towards the future and、yes. give people. Hope, and I think that's what people need after the Cultural Revolution. They need a new perspective about the future China. Yeah. So yes. that's the second boom. So, but it was not last long, but just a couple couple of years. Yeah. And it was stopped by another like politic、uh, movement called anti-capitalism, spiritual、uh, pollution. So the science fiction was categorized as one of this kind of spiritual pollution.、Mm. So all these scientists was jump up and 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 claim that、uh, there's all kind of like pseudo science in science fiction, and all these science fiction writers stopped to writing、uh, okay. afterward, and they changed their direction. So we were in、uh, this boom, the new wave. I think it was start from uh 1999, the millennium. Okay. So yeah, so basically it was start from a magazine, a science fiction magazine, uh named Science Fiction World.、Mm. It was the only science fiction magazine in China, and even now. So. And it was started by a very interesting, like historical reason that、uh, they have a feature article.、Uh, what if the memory can be transferred? So、mm -hmm. it's totally the same as the entrance、uh, exam, the essay title that year. So like everyone wants to go to the college to、mm -hmm. take that exam,、mm -hmm. so they have the totally same title. 
So that gives a, a, a illusion to most of the uh, Chinese parents and teachers, even the students, that uh, if you read science fiction, you might possibly get to know the answer of the the, the entrance <laughs> exam. So, okay. so that's very like uh, practical thinking of Chinese. Yeah. So that he helped the, the magazine uh, boost its, uh, its sales, like yes. uh, almost reached like 400,000 copies uh, each issue. So that's oh. huge. That's big, even, yeah. yeah. Yeah, even globally. So... I think uh, like people like Liu Cixin, uh, like Han Song, and like our generation all start mm-hmm. publish uh, our stories on that magazine. So we start our career from that magazine. From that magazine, yes. So I know this is quite a big topic, but I wondered if you guys could comment on the influence then of Chinese science fiction and perhaps the way in which Chinese and Western science fiction ideas are playing off each other and impacting on each other. Simon, what are your thoughts on this? This can be a quite complex problem. If I want to analyze this problem clearly, I need to write an article maybe more than 10,000 words. (laughs) Yes. And I prefer to take only the perspective of blending of Chinese and Western cultures. Okay. To yeah. say, yes, to say the three bodies problem uh, is the science, Chinese science fiction that caused enormous international influence. Yes. And the core of the culture is mixed with Western and Chinese science fiction originated from the spirit spirit of scientism in Europe. It has bring with a lot of rationalism. Chinese science fiction brings the spirits of East to the West. I think Chinese science fiction is at the top of the wave of cultural integration between East and West. Both sides can absorb what is lacking in each other's culture through this cultural exchange. Okay, so you think that the East and West can learn from each other in terms of culture and understanding and insight? Yes. Okay, so Gabrielle, from your perspective as an editor of Foreign Language Works in China, what are your thoughts on this subject? Uh, Science fiction, this kind of genre, uh, compared with other uh, literature genre, it it is very special because it it is related directly to... Uh, the development of the science and technologies. In the past, I should admit that there is a long distance that China should catch up with um, Western countries. Mm. Before the World War One, World War Two, China has a long time that we, we call it, we close the door and we uh, refuse all the uh, advanced technologies and science. Mm. And then we um, met civil wars and and the wars with other countries and something like that. So we didn't have time and environment to uh, develop our own science and technology. But now China has a rather stable and peace environment. And people uh, focus on on education, uh, on science development, on technologies development. uh, And we have that kind of time and energy and we try to catch up the world space. I think it's a good opportunity for the Chinese writers to um, combine science technologies with reality and give some reflections on our technologies and science and maybe some 
you know, imagination and expectation mm. of mm. the new technologies or something like that. So I think it's really related to the country's development uh, and, of course, to the whole world's uh, technological and scientific development. So maybe this is a good time. Yes, and I'm, I'm sure you're right. And it is, it is a good time. And I guess it does, the kind, this kind of flourishing of Chinese science fiction is, is happening alongside mm-hmm. scientific development and technological development, isn't it? And, and perhaps that's what we should expect to see. Now, Stan, I want to come back to you for a moment. You were talking to somebody in an interview a couple of years ago. And back then, so two years ago, you expressed a little bit of caution about whether we were now in a golden age for Chinese science Mm -hmm. fiction. And I think some of the things you were talking about was that perhaps the the writer base in China needs to grow a little bit. Yes. And the Chinese film industry wasn't quite ready. Now, obviously, we've had things like The Wandering Earth this year. Yep, Um, yep. But what are your thoughts on this issue now? Do you think the golden age has arrived? Have you changed your opinion <laughs> in the last couple of years? Yeah, my, my answer is yes and no. As you can <laughs> see, like right now we have the, uh, the two Hugo Award winners. We yes. have a huge sci-fi blockbuster, the, the Wandering Earth. But as you can see, there's another uh, very uh, recently uh, Chinese sci- sci-fi blockbuster. Uh, the title is The Shanghai Fortress. Yes, it yes. Was, it was also an adaptation from uh, one of my friends, Jiang Nan. So we are alumni. So he's a sci-fi and fantasy writer. So it's an adaptation from his book. From his book, and yeah. It, it, the, the movie, like the, the casting was huge like all this kind of uh, superstars celebrities and the 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 budget was huge like i think it's three over 300 million uh imb in total so right. it's like huge in china but the box office and the critiques are, are horrible it's like disaster really so it's, okay yeah it's not even reach one third of the budget the, the box office so so it's like an epic failure so you can see like uh, even after the wandering earth like this um it, it doesn't get anything easier to <laughs> copy another successful wandering yes. earth right yeah so that's what i say that the industry is not ready yet even though we have this kind of like uh, superstars we have all this kind of uh bestsellers we have mm. all this kind of a uh, huge market there but still we need time to build up our like the whole pipeline our whole like ecosystem so mm. for example like the, the 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 writer's base right now is still around 200 300 people at the most mm. and they can deliver like uh above average uh, quality stuff every year so i think that's pretty small compared to our uh, huge population and also we only have a few people can make a living out of like writing yeah 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 it's just i think it's no more than maybe 20 full-time writers in this genre so there's pretty small Mm. compared to the states or in uk so I think it's a bottleneck to help the whole industry to, to, to grow because people have to like see the possibility of like uh, making money. Like uh, they have to yeah. make a living, they have to feed their families. So I think still we are not 
in the golden age yet, but we are at a very uh, good starting point mm. because right now the whole society, the government, and uh, the field companies are pretty much like uh, pay attention to science fiction mm. uh, genre. Yeah, so we have all this kind of momentums here, but yeah. we still need time. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk for a moment about the potential differences between Chinese science fiction and science fiction from the West. Do those differences actually exist? And if they do, what do you think they are? Gabrielle, what are your thoughts on this? Okay. Uh, but at first, I want to emphasize their similarities. And Chinese science fiction writers read a lot of uh, Western science fiction works, and they are influenced by them. Uh, just like Liu Cixin, if you ask who is his favorite writer and who influences uh, him most, he will answer it as Arthur Clarke and his favorite movie is uh, Space Odyssey mm. 2000. So there must be some uh, heritage or something like that, yes, some link yes. between Western science fiction and China science fiction. Uh, uh, so there must be some similarities. Of course, there are differences. Uh, because China has its own tradition, its own mm. culture, and mm. it's totally different from uh, West countries. But I believe in Western culture background is uh, like the Renaissance, the uh, the Enlightenment movement, or something mm. like that. Mm. And in China, we have Confucians, Taoism, and the influences of the Buddhism. And we also say that Chinese culture is a combination of Buddhism, Taoism, and Confucianism. The, the three, just a lot of kind of three in one. Yes, those yeah. three influences in coming together, yes. Yeah, and there are also a very vivid example. Uh, although this example is emphasized a lot of times from Chinese writers or, or some um, foreign critics or uh, scholars, but I also want to uh, say it again that the rendering earth, uh, you know, in Western cultural background uh, stories, if the sun will um, become dark and cold and the earth face very serious problems, maybe uh, the writers will will write that the sci scientists build a spacecraft or something like that, and we will write that spacecraft to go out of the solar system. But in the wandering Earth, we choose to bring our home with us. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we have a tradition that uh, no matter how far we go, no matter how many places we visit or something like that, mm. we have to go back to our home and we have to be buried at our home. And there, maybe the, the majority of people also have this kind of thought. And and it is rooted in our in our culture, so we choose to bring our home with us because ah okay yeah yeah now that's kind of that is really interesting actually. So if I've if I've understood you correctly, I think what you're saying mm -hmm. is that like in the in this example, we've, you've been talking about the wandering earth, which for those those listening to this don't know is that in that story people don't get in a spaceship and go away. We we take yeah, the yeah. whole earth with us, don't we? Um, yeah. And that's actually that's actually rooted in some in Chinese culture and worldview and tradition, perhaps about going back to the earth and having a connection with the earth that perhaps yeah. Western science fiction doesn't doesn't have. Yes, your understanding is quite good. 
that's interesting because to me that's that's an that's an insight into Chinese worldview, the Chinese worldview, which then is reflected into the film. Um, so, are there other similarities or indeed differences between the Western and Chinese approach that you, uh, you've noticed? Yeah, and actually, I want to recommend a new kind of a classification of uh, of science fiction that okay. is called silk punk. I don't know if you you have ever heard this word. I have silk heard punk. of it. Silk punk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we have cyberpunk, we have steampunk, uh, and a lot of solar punk or something like that. Uh, but it is all uh, rooted in uh, Western uh, thought. And mm. the silk punk is brought up by Ken Liu. Uh, you know, he is always uh, he is always thinking himself as a bridge between Western science fiction and China science fiction. And he brought up this word called the silk punk. Mm. Uh, he said that we should end our um, own speciality into uh, science fiction. Just It's not about the silk, the bamboos, or the pandas. Uh, it's about <laughs> uh, the... The core, the spirit, the spirit core yes, of yes. Uh, China, uh, Chinese people, and there are a lot of short stories can be classified into this uh, silk punk. A lot of Kenyan short stories, I, I think, can be classified. So yeah, there is. I, I understand, obviously, as you say, that that silk punk isn't so much about an individual aspect. It's not about pandas or just silk or bamboo or whatever. But it is. It's kind. Of, that <laughs> yeah. word is. It's encapsulating a whole literary movement, isn't it? Then, really, it's it's trying to yeah. it's a category as you as you said it. So, one of the things we touched on in our conversation just then was the spiritual aspect or the psychological aspect of all of this. And I wanted to ask you, Simon, about this. I wondered if you could just comment a little bit on the spiritual heritage that China has and the needs that China has at the moment, particularly given the rate of technological and social change that has happened in the country. I feel that spiritual empty and uh, lack of faith is a special problem in China, but it's a worldwide problem. Okay. Um, Everyone in every country is looking for something new to believe. Of course, in China, We have a huge gap between our traditional culture and the the modern culture, Uh, so the problem may be more serious. You know, our Chinese never believe God from ancient time. Mm. Many in traditional Chinese culture have given us an answer to the question in our mind today. The work of a writer seems to be creating a new soul for the new time. But in fact, it's also about waking ancient souls, wake the old souls of East and the new souls of the West, and then combine the souls together and to provide for the time today. Mm. I think this is the meaning of my work. Science fiction, I think, is not provide a new soul. For example, General literature works can only discuss people as a social and ethics law, but from a science fiction point of, of, of view, we can see a human as a biological individual or even as a cosmic dusk. This is the unique charm of science fiction. When you change the perspective of the problem, 
done. The things itself actually change. This is the answer I find out. Maybe people do not have this kind of scientific uh, thinking. They can't understand and they can't jump from the current problem. I think this is very regrettable. It does seem to me then that you as a writer and other writers have a job to do not just in China, but across the world, helping people to reflect on who they are and their role in society and how they should live, how their quest for purpose should be worked out. Yes, agree with you. Yes. Okay, so Stan, I want to come back to you for a moment. One of the things I have noticed in some of the Chinese science fiction I've read is there's very much a commentary on change and transformation and the good and mm-hmm. bad that comes from that mm-hmm. and i think waste tide yeah. your book is a good example of that so you know there's, there's some very difficult things in waste tide aren't there there's some tough things that are dealt with so would you agree perhaps that the impact of change and the consequences of change is an important element in science fiction or in chinese science fiction Yes, uh, definitely. And the change is also why Chinese science fiction gets so much attention uh, from global perspective right now, because China was on a fast track during the last four decades, I'll say. So I think everything was so condensed, like we put the process of maybe the Western world uh, has taken 200 years to proceed like into four decades. So yes. everything from social, economic and culture and even from all the individual uh, level. So we are all uh, encountered this enormous change and challenge. So that's why uh, science fiction uh, becomes something uh, important because it's a it's a genre which could use uh, the the space and time scale which was different from our daily life experience. We can examine all this kind of human condition mm. uh, within mm. outer space, within accelerating uh, time pace, or within an alternative uh, civilization scenarios. So I think. That's why all the Chinese science fiction writers uh, have this kind of eager to explore what's behind the change and what's behind the ch- challenges. So, mm-hmm. as you can see, there's a lot of like anxiety behind our stories. Each of the story uh, have uh, have strong uh, connection to the relationship between the technology and uh, humanity. Science fiction can do a very strong statement and they can have a huge impact or influence uh, on, on, on people, especially younger generation right okay. now. So I, I, I take that as a very important standing point. So maybe science fiction is helping China to reflect on and process these changes and the impact. It's helping you to reflect on all of the things that are happening and the speed at which they happen. Yes. Okay, so I'd like to ask you, Gabrielle, are there any particular works that are coming up now that are available to a Western audience that would give us a really good insight 
into Chinese science fiction. And maybe also related to that, is there anywhere we can go to see some other aspects of Chinese science fiction? So not just what's written, but maybe some of the art that is created as well. I just have a book by hand that is called uh, Touchable on Reality. It is translated by Ken Liu and it is edited by another um, publishing house called Storycom. Okay. And these books have some short stories translations, so I'd like to mention this to, to your audience. And about the illustrations and the pictures, uh, maybe they can keep an eye on us, the science fiction world, because uh, we are a monthly uh, publishing magazine, and every cover is is joined by our illustrators and the and the book cover we intend we prefer to ask our uh, illustrators to draw pictures and then um, do some design on that picture mm. and i think mm. they all very good okay I think the one that i'm picking out from that is the one that you talked about first touchable unreality i think it was mm-hmm. called wasn't it i'll put a link in the podcast to that one um, mm-hmm. And as you say, your own magazine, your own monthly magazine, Science Fiction Worlds magazine, has a lot of art in it, doesn't it? Yes. Simon, I want to ask you a little bit more about your work. We've touched on this a little bit already, but your work seems to explore what it means to be human and the nature of the human spirit. Can you tell us a little bit more about this and why this is so important to you? Oh, I have written a series of st- short stories, including... A science fiction short story called Heart of the Tree to explore what human beings are, what our difference from human being and uh, machine. Um, I think this is also because my own confusion. I completely lose um, confidence in human nature. I'm so afraid of, of human, yes. Mm. Um, but when, finally, I think that human also has a very noble part. Many people make great creation and uh, sacrifice. Yes. Then uh, take a look and then take a look from a macro point of view. How can a small creature like like a human being climb from the bottom of the food chain and now take the challenge of art and beauty, even take the challenge of unknown and the universe. That's amazing. Uh, I um, start to love human spirit, yes. That's a very positive and optimistic view. That's good, isn't it? If I'm understanding you correctly, there was a time in your life when you had seen all the kind of darkness and perhaps everything that's wrong in humans and lost confidence in them. But since then, yeah. you've seen some of the more noble things and the, the great things that humans can do and the great potential that humans have. Mm, yes. Okay. Now, one of your more recent works is The Love Letters. Can you tell us a little bit more about this specific story and what inspired you to write it? Um, actually, I have experienced a sad love story uh, and I want to put this story in the background of space travel mm. to make the story more in line with my aesthetics. I want the story to be more beautiful. And uh, I don't write story that don't touch me. I just write story that can touch me. So I write it um, and to make it more beautiful. Yes. Okay. 
So it sounds as if you are quite prepared to put some of your own personal feelings and your own story and your experiences in life into your stories. I think a story is something you try to make us more complex, more beauty, more elegant. Mm. And, and that's good. I mean, but I'm, I'm just, it makes me think that you do that as a writer. When you put some of your own life into a story, sometimes that can be quite hard. It can be quite difficult. It can be things which are personal to you and, and emotional. But presumably you think it's worth doing that, even if it can be touching on things that are, are very personal to you, it's still a good thing to do that in a story. You can't write a story that not touch you. You can mm. just write a story that touch you. And um, maybe when you write it, it maybe will touch others. I, I can't write a story that don't touch me, but I want to write it down to touch others. That, that's not work on me. Yes. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, now, there was one thing I was going to ask you, Stan, and I think you're in a particularly good position to answer this. As far as I can see, this growth in Chinese science fiction, which started, as you say, like the latest wave with Science Fiction World, but it seems to be expanding into other media and content, so mm -hmm. films, TV, games. Yes. You see that continuing more as a trend in the future? Yes, I can feel that and I can see that right now because uh, a lot of like film companies and also manga, animation and even mm -hmm. like theaters, like they might try to adapt some science fiction into a theater play. So and also some like more advanced technology will be use like uh, VR and mm. AR stuff. So mm. like in China, everyone is trying to grow with something new because that can make them the top, top player. So I yes. think right now people are pretty much looking to sci-fi stories because I think sci-fi story is kind of good materials that can be adapted into different mediums. So it's kind of like uh, a broad, a spectrum and it can be a very good container to like put into different perspective and value mm. so and also it's very popular within uh, among our younger generation especially those was born after the 90s even after millenniums okay so gabrielle i want to pick up on something which you've mentioned a couple of times now which is fantasy as well as science fiction. And I know you're interested in fantasy as a genre. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you said earlier that you, you do a lot of work with, within the science fiction genre and a little bit on fantasy. Mm -hmm. So um, do you think fantasy is always going to be just a very small, quite small in, in terms compared to science fiction? Or do you see the, the fantasy genre growing in China as, as science fiction has as well? The cultural roots of fantasy in China is better than science fiction. China has a long history of fantasy. In ancient time, there are a lot of uh, the, the ghost stories, the animals who became people, the kind of stories. Mm. You will find a lot of a lot of that stories in China's uh, history, but. Why science fiction development is assumed to be more prosperous than fantasies? The mainstream thought about uh, this kind of literature is that science fiction can give students, can give children 
more knowledge than yes. fantasy. Yes. But, but of course, as an editor, I don't agree with that. So you will read the Lord of the Rings. Let yes. me think. The Lord, Lord of the Rings. So yeah. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, and I brought a lot of editions, different editions of that story. Have you? Okay. So yeah. uh, that's interesting because I would I would have guessed, and I'm I'm sure I'm right from what you've said here that actually China has an amazing and rich heritage to draw on for fantasy work um, yeah. and that actually there would be lots of stories from China's history but also those stories and those themes can be interpreted by contemporary authors to, to tell more fantasy stories now I'd expect the potential to have a lot of more fantasy stories from <laughs> China out of China in the future I hope so anyway yes Okay, so we're coming to the end of our conversation now, and I want to ask each of you one final question before we finish. And I'd like to start with you, Simong, if I may. What encouragement would you give then to authors who are struggling to write and promote their work? What advice would you give to fellow writers, either in China or in the West? I think there are two things I want to say. Mm. Um, I think for many people who put themselves into writing, um, many people have some have have some problem that in contacting with the real world, so they put a part of themselves in their in their writing. Mm. Maybe at first writing is um escaped escaped from the real life, but it's also a way of loving the world. By writing, you love the world. So I think it's um it's a positive thing. Yes, of writing. And the second thing is, I learned from my friend Ken Liu. I learned from him that the work is just the work. No matter what, no matter others says what to your story, no matter who they are, uh, if you really don't want to listen to anyone's advice, you can just write what you like. That's absolutely mm. possible. Mm. So it it sounds there with that second thing you've said as if encouraging people just to, to to not worry too much about the opinions of others to just just write write what you want to write and just do it i think the writer himself or herself really you know what you are writing and uh, you do your writing you struggle on it and uh, that's the only way you will find your own way there yes Okay, so Stan, are there any final comments or observations that you want to make before we finish? Yeah, I hope all the readers should be more open-minded to the uh, like uh, Eastern uh, uh, science fiction. Mm. Sometimes, because have different uh, cultural background, we have different like uh, uh, value system. So uh, just keep open-minding uh, when you're reading those stories because you, you have to think about it. The, the writer themselves are from a total different background of, from the other side of the world. So, so mm. Mm. yeah, sometimes you have to stay tolerant. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. we, but it means we can learn new things as well, doesn't it? I guess if, yeah. we, if we, yeah. we need to be open to, to people with different different thinking different value systems a different perspective yes yeah cool yeah okay so gabrielle i have just a couple of final questions for you as you said earlier as well as promoting science fiction from chinese authors i i understand that you are looking for good material 
from authors mm. from other parts of the world, all, all over the place, Western and wherever else. Can you give us an idea of the kind of material that you're looking for? And that could be particular themes, or it could be perhaps you're looking for stories or short stories or novellas or whatever. What what sort of thing are you interested in seeing? The uh, magazines, they need short stories and yes. long stories. And the book department really need uh, long stories. And yeah. sometimes we will put the short stories into the short stories collection. Uh, but now I don't think China has a big platform for uh, novelists for the middle size work. And we try to build a platform, but now we don't. So Not at uh, the moment. Okay. okay so, so this kind of we all need, except novelists. <laughs> So it's at, I think from what you're saying, it sounds as if you're interested in sh- short stories, which can go into the magazine, or yeah. full-length novels. Yeah. But not, and but not novellas in not the kind, not the kind of medium-sized works that. Yeah. Yet, <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe one day okay. in the future. And or how, what's the best way for people to approach you if they want to send you perhaps a short story or a novel idea or something? What's the right way to do this? We have a mail address which is open to the public. Okay. Uh, yes. So, uh, the for book department, which means the long story text is to go to tushu at sfw.cd.com. Okay. So that email address is tushu at sfw-cd.com. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say, Gabrielle, before we finish? I just want to say thank you to all the people who feel interested in China's uh, science fiction and fantasy literature. Okay. Well, I think we would like to say thank you to you guys for uh, providing this new stream of, of different a different kind of literature. I'm So speaking as somebody from the West, I think it's very good for us to, to look at our own literature and produce it, but also good for us to see what other people from other cultures and other nations are producing and the other and the issues and themes that are important to them okay so simon stan gabrielle thank you so much for your time it's been a real pleasure to talk to all of you cool okay thank you bye-bye 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 Thank you for listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or me, just go to my website. It's andrewjchamberlain.com.